At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 ladies and gentlemen uh welcome to this week's episode of the rise together podcast you're riding shotgun in i am well right you heidi are riding shotgun the listener is riding uh, in the middle. We've got bucket seats now. <laughs> We're driving a 1978 Buick, and you guys are the meat and the sandwich. Heidi and I are the bread. Welcome to this episode of the Rise Together podcast. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis. And I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise together. Oh, they play their own song. Like oh, we, oh, we okay. have a song. <laughs> that was very Mario Brothers that I just gave. That was very dun, Mario dun, Brothers. Dun, 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 All right, let's dun, start with a hard-hitting dun, dun. question. Okay. Did you have a gaming console in your house when you were growing up? Like, what was the first one you had? Uh, Nintendo. I mean, I had every gaming console you could have because I grew up with three brothers. Oh, so... you just sounded like you were rich. No, no. <laughs> I just had boys. <laughs> you, had, you had brothers. <laughs> I had brothers. Nintendo. I acted like I knew how I knew what I was doing, but I was actually just there for Mario Kart. Mario. Wait, hold on. What Nintendo do you speak of Mario Kart? I don't know. Well, I couldn't tell you what it was. This sounds like was... a Nintendo 64. Yes. Well, here we go. That was it. I'm, but I'm we like, also had the basic Nintendo that was gray, black, and white. You know that one? What, what, what is the black you speak of? I, I know gray, gray with red white. letters. That's it. That one? I, I have a, my memory, like, kind of betrays me sometimes. But it was like a box. It was a box, that? like a rectangle? Yeah. And it had, like, a little uh, garage door that yes. lifted up? Yes. What did you do when a game wouldn't load? You pulled the game out. Yes. You flipped it over, and you went... Is that, are you blowing? I'm blowing. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Both ways. You go one down and one back the other way. One down, one back. You try, you push it in and you push go. Mario Kart's one of my favorite games ever. Did you not believe me that I had one of those Nintendos? Is that why you asked what I did when a game didn't load? No. That's I, what I did, The right? thing is, I believed. I just, it was a test to see if you were actually a gamer or if you're just a storyteller. I was a gamer. You were a gamer. I mean, kind of. And a storyteller. You're a storytelling yeah. gamer. Do I look at you or the road? You're looking at the road. Well, I'm driving. Can I look at you? Uh, I'm going to turn sideways. Go ahead. Look at me. I'm just right. not going to look at you. And I don't want you to be uh, in any way disrespected by my not looking at you while I have a conversation with you. 
I just want to make sure that I can get us to the airport safely. So I am propped up with one knee on the seat turned toward you and you are facing the road. That is correct. What does this remind you of? This reminds me of the first <laughs> time I picked you up at an airport in Austin, Texas to come and have dinner with me. And I was talking to you, facing you. Yeah. And you felt like it was really awkward. Well, it was awkward <laughs> in that it was the first time that we were seeing each other after the first time we met. Uh-huh. And I felt like I'd gone on a limb a little bit in inviting you to come to dinner in the first place. And so I drove to the airport not knowing if you and I were going to smooch at some point in our <laughs> life. And when I got you uh, from the airport and you were sitting in the car, you had torn jeans on. I could I see your knees. Yeah. It felt like a very aggressive like they... move on your part. <laughs> and uh, and you were turned <laughs> looking towards me. And I will admit, I was like, oh, well, this might go better than I am thinking because I'm a, I'm a pretty nerdy dude. And I haven't been on a first date in like 20 years. My torn jeans. So my knees felt aggressive and me looking at you while you were speaking felt aggressive? Not aggressive. I'm just saying it was very forward of you. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was not, for everybody listening, it was not forward of me. It was not forward. No. You were, no, the thing is. I just am very attentive in what people say. The first time that we met, we've told this story many times. I'd invited Heidi to come to the house and, well, not even to the house. I just asked if you would be up for recording a Rise Together podcast about divorce. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we're both going through divorces. There's clearly a lot of grief and a lot around the idea of starting over. We even talked about, like, talking about guilt or shame or, like, a whole host of the emotions that you end up feeling when a relationship that you wish had worked out didn't. And you agreed to do the podcast. And you happened to be coming through Texas and said, hey, I can even come to your place. And I was like, yes, great. That's cool. And I'd never met you before. And here's what's even crazier. You had actually, about four months prior, invited me and Chris to be on yours and Rachel's Rise Together podcast, which I think this is what we're on right now, right? That is correct. And I did not respond. Remember this? Yeah. You had asked if we wanted to be on. I did not respond. I actually said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I'll get back to you with dates. I didn't respond because at the time, the world did not know that Chris and I were divorcing. And I was scared. We were going to go on yours and Rachel's podcast. And you guys were going to give us all sorts of questions about how we work successfully as a married couple together. And Chris and I were not ready to address it. You were going through a divorce. Yes. You knew about it. Yes. I was going through a divorce. I didn't know about it when I was asking you. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, like, the thing, is that funny? <laughs> That's really funny. That's funny. No, but the thing is, like, it was at the time, I remember, like, we looked at you guys, like, other people had looked at Rachel and I and were like, oh, how can we learn from these people who have... Like, I remember you put up a post about relationship goals, and it's just like one of those crazy things where people see what they see, but yeah. they don't necessarily see everything. And even when you try and, I mean, like, I feel like I've lived such a, you get to see all of it kind of life. Even when we were doing interviews on the podcast or having conversations about things related to relationship, we were showing people the stuff that we were working through, and yet it just wasn't something that people saw until after we were divorced and then it was like what 
in the I world know. is going on. It's I such a, it's such a strange thing. I hate the idea of relationship goals. I yeah, I, I do too. And what I think one of the hardest parts for me is I remember posting things about relationship goals and different things, or even things where Chris and I felt so strong, or I thought we were so strong. Yeah. And then it's crazy how quickly it can change, right? So it's not like it. We weren't strong, but it, it, I would post things and I meant every word of what I was saying. And I think I'm such an in the moment kind of a person. Like whatever I feel right now in this moment is how my entire world is. And I kind of ignore and forget that there are other aspects that might not feel the same for the other person. Does yeah. that make sense? Of course it does. And then it, I, cause I look at some of the posts that I did like two weeks before Chris and I split, maybe even a week before Chris and I split. And I was like, gosh, I felt everything I said inside of this post. And I felt like Chris and I were really who we said we were in this post, but just like that, something can change. And really, I think we were better off separate. Well, I know we are, because look, here we are. Oh, yeah. You and I. No, hey, guess what? Same phenomenon for me. I'd put up a post about our anniversary the day before yes. we, you know, before we had the conversation about divorce. I ended up taking that post down because I was, frankly, I was embarrassed. Like I wrote a really nice <laughs> message about the rest of our lives and all the adventure we had to look forward to. And I didn't realize that like that, that wasn't a thing that was in the card. So it just felt like, I, I don't know, like embarrassed is the only thing I could say. I was like, geez, how could I not see the thing that was coming? But that's sometimes the way I guess it goes. Yeah. I, I think sometimes when we post, or at least I speak for me and maybe I was speaking, I'm speaking for you too, in part, but there's a part of me that would post for, like, I, I am so good at finding the good in everything. Yeah. Even the good in a really bad or a really hard situation. And I know when I would post, I oftentimes would try to focus on the good or the hope for what could be almost a, like a sense of manifestation. Yeah. Right? To Because every relationship has good and bad. And I, I remember being in a place where I didn't want to always vote. Why would I put the bad out there? Why would I manifest even more bad instead of focus on what is good inside of a relationship? Does that make sense? Of course. The thing is, in the post that I had put up and then took down, I recognized that it was our best and hardest year. Like, I actually thought that there was a ton of growth that came in how many hard things we had to navigate. And so in a weird way, like I had gratitude for how hard it felt like it was for us to get through mm -hmm. a whole bunch of transitional type stuff. But it's I was running on Saturday and somebody asked a random question as I was doing a little Q&A. What was like, what's your favorite country song? And I refer to it as I think, you know, in my next book that the mm -hmm. song that has resonated most has been. Garth Brooks. She thinks my tractor sexy. She thinks my tractor sexy <laughs> is in fact the most important country song in my life in the last year. No, uh, Garth Brooks unanswered prayers yeah. because there's so many things that at the time, right? I'm sure you felt this too. Like at the time you couldn't imagine that something good or better could come from the circumstances that were happening in real time. And I definitely felt that. And so much goodness. I mean, so many good things. My health is in the best shape ever. My, I feel fantastic. I just, I love being with you. And it's amazing you. how Insane. you make me feel, but also like that there even was the possibility of feeling like this for another human being was not a thing I thought was real when I was going through what we both were going through. And so like, who knew? Like I had no concept. It also like bizarrely, like I think is given permission 
for me to dream and believe in the possibility of all kinds of things that I can't even conceive of happening in our future because it just showcased in real time the limited capacity that my imagination has. Like I just, I wasn't open to the possibility that so much good can come out of hard things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like we should say on here about the first time we met, like doing the podcast, because I, I believe that part of why you are, your eyes are open to all of the good that is and all of the good that's come from, you know, this split or whatever, just your life being hard is the fact that you existed in and lived in a really dark and hard place for a while. And I believe same with me. I think part of why I appreciate, I'm able to appreciate you and what we have in a way that I never would have before is that I have, I I spent, I mean, my marriage was tough, especially towards the end. And it was tough for me. It was tough for Chris. It wasn't like a one-sided thing in any way, shape or form, but also my year after was really, really hard. Like I felt like I didn't find my footing. I couldn't find my footing for a year. And so to be with somebody who brings out the best in me, who makes me smile, who makes me want to be a better person, who treats me like a queen and all of the things that I never thought I honestly deserved before. Um, I'm able to see and appreciate it in a way that I wouldn't have if I wouldn't have been through such a dark, hard time, which when I met you, yeah, that's well, the podcast that never happened. So I invite Heidi to come to the house and well, I invite her to, to the podcast. She represents that she's coming through Texas and can come over and record the podcast. And so I'm like, I'm game. The only interaction really that we'd had was that you endorsed my last book. So there was like some familiarity. We'd had a couple of text exchanges. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. By the way, I'm in your last book. You are in my last book. (laughs) What a like wild. And I didn't know this till like two months ago. (laughs) Because I didn't actually read the whole thing. How dare you. At first. Uh, But like the, 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 the like history that we had was very, very limited. There wasn't any history outside of this like freak thing where I'd reached out asking for an endorsement and you agreed to read the book or part of it and give well, one. Well, you had changed it since. That's why I didn't read the whole thing. Also I read fair. the galley copy. Also fair. The arrival to my house had me, I mean, this is so crazy because of how much we've been doing and working out. I was 50 pounds lighter than I am right now. 50 I mean, like, You're like I was the Hulk bi- sitting in the seat next to me. Well, thank you. I've been working out, and uh, you've been it's an like amazing, amazing inspiration for this. On yes, the I do. It's yes, you. I'm Mr. Incredible right now. <laughs> thank you. But like, I was, I was not eating. I was processing all of this grief with running, and I was running like ten miles in the morning, ten miles at night, and I was sad. I was in a really, really sad place. And when you got to the house. I gave you like the quick tour. Hey, here's the, you know, 10 cent tour of the house. We sat down to start recording the podcast. And within 30 seconds, I began crying, trying to even ask the first question. Like we didn't even get the microphones turned on. No. And uh, I think I probably cried for about 45 minutes. which Maybe a little bit longer. Which was strange considering that we never had an in-person conversation yeah. before. That like, it, But there was something about you and something I think about shared experience. Like you'd been through something that one, just like didn't make me feel alone. And like really, re- like you resonated so much with the things that I was talking about. But also you were 
further along in the journey. And so there was like a hopefulness that came in some of the perspective that you had in having some distance from where I was in my journey that I was like, I will take a dose of this hope. Thank you very much. And I just felt, I felt like in a weird way, like, oh, I had not yet met David. Like, uh, oh no, I did. I had, I guess. I I had, had. I had, I was telling you about David, but like, it felt a little bit like therapy because I was just like, here's everything. And I told, and I held literally nothing back. I think you were saying that besides your therapist, I had been the only person at that point that could actually relate and connect with you on a level that would allow you to be so vulnerable. Yeah. Um, because there is in shared suffering, like you, you, you know, you're not alone, which is such a, a big thing. I remember sitting there in the moment and I remember that as soon as you opened up, which is such an attractive thing to me. I mean, not like I was sexually attracted or any, I mean, I wasn't even, my mind wasn't there. Your mind wasn't there, but just as a human in a human way, vulnerability is so amazing. And the second you opened up, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like maybe all of the hard that I just went through and the SHIT that I felt for the past year is for a reason, because I think I even, I don't know if I told you then, I think I did, but the night before, the night before I was alone in a hotel room and I had my own, I mean, it was almost a year after, but I had a, a breakdown, yeah. another moment where I felt like, what is happening with my life? Who am I? Because I don't care who you are and how confident you are or whether the divorce is your choice or not your, not your choice. There is inevitably an identity crisis that happens after a divorce starts. It does not matter because yeah. you have come to learn and figure out who you are next to somebody else or with somebody else. Um, and that shift, it changes your entire world. And as I heard you crying, I had specific flashbacks of, in October, 2019, I remember going to New York for some media. I was doing some work with GNC and I cried the entire flight they flew me first class and I was in first class sobbing. And I'm like, what the heck? Like I, I, everyone around me was asking if I was okay. I was looking out the window the whole time, could not control my feelings in the hotel lobby. I had Alexa with me who, you know, Alexa, yeah. she was there to help make sure I, you know, got to the media on time, whatever she was, she had to check me into the hotel. I was sitting in a chair sobbing in the lobby. And so as I heard you sobbing, I connected with where I was in those moments. And I remember telling you, like, I, I at that time, I just needed someone to say, everything's going to work out. I promise it's going to be okay. Yeah. But I understand where you're coming from. And that was so big for me. What was interesting for me is, like, there was something in your reassurance because of your personal experience mm -hmm. that carried weight that was greater than the weight that someone who had not themselves been through a divorce giving me the you're going to get through this, lean on your faith, be strong. It'll get better. Like one day at a time, like all of the things that of course, anyone who cares for you is going to say, and they mean so well, if they hadn't been through the thing that I was ultimately processing in real time, it was just hard for me to like take it at face value. And I'm sure there are plenty of people listening right now who are like, yeah, I went through this thing. I got a lot of people who were caring for me and were you know, sympathetic to my situation, but they didn't have the empathetic response for having personally walked through it, which is why 
you as a part of community and other people who had ultimately also been through a transition in their relationship were wildly important in normalizing my feelings and making it like safe to talk about the things that I was feeling through the journey, which was like a miracle. You were a miracle in, in this like journey Thank for you. sure. Thank you. Can you imagine having to hold all that in? Healing can't happen. I do feel like that's part of why you healed I've, relatively quick, quickly. I've, I've met, gosh, I mean, like I look at, it was such a combination of factors, but I think about the kids just left for camp. We, uh, we dropped the boys off at camp on, uh, on Saturday, Sunday. And I can remember what dropping them off at camp felt like last year. Right. And it was, it was excruciating because, you know, like being alone in my house and like still working through all of these feelings and trying to figure out what like next was going to look like. Um, there were plenty of days where it felt overwhelming. I was, it was like, I've described it as this blank piece of paper that was at the same time terrifying and exhilarating, but it was just really terrifying more than it was exhilarating at the very beginning. And the, you know, the way that you became, I mean, yes, you came to dinner, but ultimately it was, it still took months of time before we were dating, dating yeah. yep. on a like super serious level. But it was <laughs> yeah. like the combination of your friendship and the way that my pastor was so consistent in my life and the way that David Brady was Brady. so consistent uh-huh. in my life and that David, my therapist was so, like, there were just so many factors that were complicit in making, making the experience normal, but also that there was a lot that ended up acting as a catalyst for something good to come from the hard. And that was like the man, just like the most beautiful thing. I remember many times after I had met you, I remember looking at the way that you were working through divorce and thinking, and I think comparison is a scary path to go down, but I would compare and I would be like, gosh, he put in the work a lot more than I did. And I think part of the issue with where I was at is I had kids around me all the time. If I didn't have one set of kids, I had the other set of kids. I, I naturally, I numb myself with work. I work is my drug and I do numb myself and I get busy really fast to uh, ignore the pain or not have to feel the pain. And you just now talking about dropping your kids off at camp. And then we even talked about it today. You said you had one big thing you did every single day when your kids were gone. But I also remember you telling me you actually would get out blank pieces of paper or blank notebooks and you would write down and you would show me these things. And I remember as you would show me or tell me or send me excerpts from things that you had written in processing feelings, I was like, holy moly, no wonder it took me a year to find my footing after when I did not put in work the way that you did. I saw a therapist and my therapist is amazing. I love her to death. And I talked to a lot of people. A lot of people helped me through things, but you actually spent a lot of time alone, which I believe it's very hard to process divorce and actually heal from divorce if you're not taking time to yourself and being okay feeling alone. You're so sweet. You know, I, I have, ne- I'd never meditated and I started meditating. I was not a, an avid reader and I, 
I actually got a list of books from a very close friend who'd been through divorce and committed that I will read every one of these books. And man, I just, I found, I mean, in Untethered Soul and The Power of Now, like those two books in and of themselves were just like game changers. But still books I haven't read and I need to. I mean, Untethered Soul was just such an amazing book, but we ended up reading The Four Agreements Uh together. The What was the other one that he wrote? Oh, uh, the uh, Mastery of Love. Mastery of Love. Which I've read like twice now. Yeah, but They're like... so good. Reading was not a thing, but that's a thing that you do if you want to like carve time. I, I mean, I was fortunate because I had in the end of 2019 transitioned out of working day to day inside the business at the Hollis Company and was really focusing now on this podcast, writing books and doing some coaching. And those jobs are jobs that can flex in terms of hours. And so I was very, very fortunate to be in a position where I could pull back from traditional, quote unquote, 40 hour work weeks to really, I ran, I mean, I ran 200 miles. Those, you know, we were looking at, like, remember we were looking at our little health app. Your step count was like 12,000 steps a day, (laughs) which is crazy. I mean, I ran 200 miles in both May, no, June and, and June and July. I mean, like, I've never run that that much in my entire life. But that, it was just such a cathartic, therapeutic thing to, like, really just be with my thoughts. And I also had the benefit, this is going to sound crazy, but I had a deadline for my next book. And there is something so powerful in putting words on a piece of paper yeah. to talk through, work through your feelings. It's not like... Built Through Courage is all about divorce necessarily, but man, there's plenty of... I think it's your lessons learned. There were so many, so many amazing lessons learned in this last year and the ability to put them on paper and write them down on, you know, in a book or for a book was so... It was therapy itself. I was the therapist and the patient in that, in that instance. So there was, there was beauty in that. But also like I... I mean, I've talked about it on a prior podcast, but the idea of like, what do I need in this season was that question I was asking Mm -hmm. for my health and focusing on my health, not like just my physical health, but like holistic, mental, emotional, relational, spiritual and physical health Mm -hmm. was a massive game changer because it. I was thinking about it just like through the lens of very, very short time periods. I couldn't contemplate a long term goal. Like, what do you, what do you need five years from now? Or what's your vision five years from now? I was like, I need to get to a month from today. <laughs> what do I need to I need get to get to, to tomorrow. I need to get to a month from today. What do I need yeah. in my life? Whether it's seeing a therapist or moving my body or sitting on a rock in nature, having a conversation with God, like, what do I need to get to a month from today? And that was like, that was huge too. You processed it well. You did. Thank you. I, uh, yeah. Were we supposed to have a conversation about this as a part of know. our first podcast I mean, conversation? We we can have a conversation about, I think, whatever we want. We can literally talk about anything. On here. Yes. You know what's funny? When we got in the car. What's the name a, of it? What's, what's the name of we done? Sorry. What's the name of what? What are we going to title our, our podcast that we do together someday? Someday we're going to have we a podcast and we're going to call it Aardvark. <laughs> do you, I love it. Why are we calling it Aardvark, Heidi? Because when we were on our last flight, 
we were scrolling through the movies and they're in ABC order. We were trying to find <laughs> Jerry Maguire, which is a movie I had not seen until the other day. Unbelievable. I know. And I made a comment to Dave. I said, I feel really bad for movies that do not start with A because it takes forever to get to them. So surely the movies that start with A are going to get the most views. And Aardvark starts with... AA. Two A's. Double A. Which feels like it'll be right on the top of the old podcast <laughs> list. What show do you want to watch or listen Aardvark. to? Aardvark. With Dave and Heidi. One of the biggest differences between you and I is temperature. I'm freezing right now. I'm just, My foot is frozen. You have like a very strange <laughs> extremities get cold phenomenon. But uh, I got in the car. You'd been driving in it earlier during the day because I was doing a shoot at the house and I got in the heater was turned on high <laughs> both both sides of the car and as I got in the car I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt my usual and you were wearing a full sweatsuit Sweat and high tops and high tops and and I'm I currently have my toes tucked Indian style into my legs to like heat them up and heat, my heat hands are up. down there too all right I'm gonna turn the air conditioning down here I'm one gonna turn up my side here we go uh, here we go. High. I mean, so my side's high, yours is low. Uh, we balance each other out really nicely. We do. All right. So Heidi's heading back to Arizona. If you are unfamiliar, Heidi lives in Arizona. She has four children. I have four children. That together makes one million children. Uh, eight is enough. Eight, eight is eight is enough. Yep. Yep. In is full. But we do get the question quite a bit. Like, when are you moving? Who's moving? What's happening? And. Uh, I just I was just asked this question. There was a, a crew filming something. Oh, did they ask you today? And they asked me today. Yeah. I mean, like I get we get this question all the time, and the reality in an unconventional world where we have, uh, you know, co-parenting responsibilities and children with other people, and by who, by the way, all get along. All, of all them. are so yep. freaking great. And um, we're not just saying that. We're not just saying it. No, everybody gets along and everybody is supportive of everybody. Yep. It's a dang miracle. But, like, I'm not moving from Austin and you're not moving from Arizona, from Phoenix. At least not for now. Here's the thing. I believe if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, what we have right now is so far from broken. It works really, really well. Is it what most people would assume Uh really great relationship would be like, no, but just because someone else's reality is not mine doesn't make my reality wrong, mine and yours. It works super well for the both of us. We have eight kids who are so happy and grounded in where they are and our ability to travel half of the time. I have my kids 50% of the time, you have yours 50% of the time, and we have the perfect overlap right now to yeah. where I get to see your kids for a couple days every time I come into town. You get to see my kids for a couple days every time you're in town. And then we get a beautiful, I think a perfect amount of time alone yeah. to get to focus on our relationship, focus on building our businesses and the future and even travel a little bit. Like it's a very nice balance. Is it a lot to travel back and forth? Yeah, but, yeah. but the, the payoff to get to be in a relationship with somebody who I love for every bit of who they are and loves me for every bit of who I am. And I really, my kids love you. My ex-husbands oh, love you. Yeah. Like, I'm really every, it, good. Well, I think there's, thank you. I love you too, yeah. and I love them. I, like, what's, did, did you just say I love you for the first time? 
Oh, yes. Uh, very, very first time right here on the podcast. Podcast exclusive. Uh, <laughs> no, you know I love you. Um, it's it's just become such a normal thing because it's now months, you know, we're months of going back and forth. In, yeah. And as much as, like, to the outside world, it may seem weird or crazy or whatever, we're making it work. I mean, thank you, Southwest. Thank you, Frequent Flyer Miles. Thank you for, you know, the way that our co-parenting partners have been supportive of every once in a while also like mixing Bending, things up yep. and like being flexible to schedules and whatever else. But the one thing I, I will say, I mean, I got like super emotional about this around Father's Day that I never could have possibly contemplated a year ago is the way that I might be something of an incremental source of love for your children and that you might be a source of incremental love for mine. Like my kids are so enamored with you. Oh, your kids and, are so great. But also like them. the like the experience of a Father's Day morning where the shopping trip that you took with them the night before <laughs> actually accommodated presents being on the kitchen table, the breakfast that was cooked. Like it's such, it's such a beautiful thing. And it like, it doesn't in any way, like, right. My loving on Ruby or Marley doesn't in any way take away from the way that Derek or Chris might love on no. them and vice versa. Your ability to care for and love on my kids doesn't in any way take away from the way that Ray loves on these Not kids. All. It's all, completely incremental and I just never in my wildest dreams could have imagined that they might be the beneficiaries of something that brings even more love into their world. I'm just, I'm so grateful for you for that. I, I love that. I actually love, and I've heard more recently than ever, the term bonus parent and bonus child. And for a while, I remember hearing it and I'm like, what a weird phrase or term, but I love it because to me, when you think about it, every parent inside of our family, our big family of eight kids and all, you know, a bunch of parents, every one of them is so amazing in their own unique way. And they have so many skills and talents and so much love to pour and so much positive intention to pour into the kids, each one of them though, in a different way. And so it really is like our kids have bonuses in their life. Yeah. Like they have so, I mean, I've gotten super emotional talking to you about how lucky I feel that my kids who are, I've always felt like my kids are so amazing and yours are so amazing, how they're so blessed to have you now in their life. They're such good it's, kids. I, I'm oh, honestly, I it's them. so good. I'm kind of obsessed. We're having Thanksgiving at our house. <laughs> it's going to be We're having Thanksgiving cray. at our house and we're having Thanksgiving with the whole Everybody. kit and caboodle. Ev. Everybody. Partners of exes. Chris might even bring a woman. Yeah, well, Rachel's bringing the person that she's no. dating. <laughs> I think Chris is going to bring the person that he's dating. All the kids. Yeah. All, like, it is going to be chaos. I hope Chris we brings should... his dogs just so that we can have more chaos not, in the house. We're not bringing Max and Stella. They should. No. All right, never mind. We're not doing that. Okay, everyone but Max and Stella <laughs> is invited to the Hollis house for Thanksgiving it is going down. We should stream it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> nope. Just kidding. We're not streaming it. <laughs> Bless oh, it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, all right, Heidi. We are um, we're we're pulling arriving. up at the, uh, at the Austin airport oh. 
It's time to say goodbye. I hate uh, goodbyes. I know. All right. Uh, Heidi, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask every guest on the Rise Together oh, podcast. Oh, man. To end what is this? our episode. Uh, if you had only one thing you could tell our listeners, could be an actionable piece of advice, could be something that you want them to think or do in this next week ahead, what is the one thing that you would tell or ask our listeners to do? Well, I have a feeling there are a handful of people listening or um, as a result of going through their own divorce, because I know we tend to attract the audience because people want to know how we made it through. And the single bit of advice I wish I would have had, and I want, I gave to you too, and no matter which hard thing you're going through, is just knowing that this too shall pass. Every hard thing you are experiencing will pass. And on the other side of hard is something so beautiful as a result of the hard that you went through. I think that is the one of the most valuable lessons I know I've learned in life. Yeah. And I, I would say even, I mean, whether it's you inside of a new co-parenting relationship or trying to figuring out, figure out how to parent somebody else's kids, or maybe you just lost your job or anything, house burned down, wherever situation you're in, there is something so beautiful to come out of the hard thing. So good. Just like you. You are my beautiful thing. You're my beautiful thing. Goodness gracious. My family's a beautiful thing out of the heart. No, so many, so many good things. There is a lot to be grateful for out of a crazy year in the rears. But I'm so, so grateful for you and all the goodness. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening this week to the Rise Together podcast. We're at uh, the Southwest uh. drop-off. It's time to wrap it up. Wrap it on up. Until next week. Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is edited by Andrew Weller, with production support by Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company.